We're back. We're, 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 we're all alive. We are not live. We are not live. We are alive. We are alive. We're yes. not, as in we're not deceased. We're not deceased. <laughs> the Randomonium Podcast uh, has not been updated in, what, three months? It's been a while. Too that, long. That's, it's been too I'll, long. I'll be honest. That's our bad. That's our bad. But that's on us. <laughs> I mean, we've really missed it. Oh, yeah. We have missed it. We ever, we've been meeting at the same time every week. Yeah. We just haven't had the time. There's there's good reasons why we've been gone for three months. Podcast. And, yeah. and I think we should get get into that a little bit here, and mm-hmm. then and then we'll give you guys like a full podcast on this episode. Yeah, you may not know it, but stuff is going on. Stuff is going down. Big happenings mm-hmm. are happening. Yeah. Things are up. Things are up and down, mm-hmm. and all around. No, okay, but seriously, we've been working on a lot of really, really awesome stuff, and we can't really talk about the details, which I know is frustrating because it's, it's been so long. The details are coming, but um, really cool, exciting happenings, which let's just tentatively, tentatively call Randomonium 2.0. We'll call it that, yeah. I mean, we there's again, there's a lot we can't talk about, but what can we tell people? We can tell people... That uh, this podcast isn't going anywhere. That's right. So as part of Randomonium 2.0, it's, which it's one of our favorite things to do. Yeah, yeah. it's it's going to be a part of that, an integral part of of let's let's just go ahead and say the relaunch. Yeah, yeah. The relaunch. The the total re- like we're gonna like wipe the slate clean. Do we want to say coming? Uh, I don't know. Soon. When. Soon. Coming soon. Say we'll soon. say soon. Okay. We can't give you a hard date yet. I mean, we uh, could, but we're not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we got one in our minds that we're all about to say, but we're not gonna say it. Yeah. Um, it's just soon. And Do you want to give a season? Okay, we'll say fall. Okay, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll say fall. We'll say fall. Fair okay. enough. Fair enough. Okay. Give them something because we've been so cryptic right now. <laughs> Soon, you know, like 2022 or something. Yeah, yeah. It's like, when is the next Sherlock uh, season coming out? <laughs> ah, it'll come out really soon, like in three years. Coming up in the next presidential elections. <laughs> right. So Random when we say fall, we mean fall of 2019. Um, but yeah, this podcast is going to be part of it. The YouTube channel is going to be a very big part of it as, as far as like major uh major overhaul yeah and other social media as well that's right major overhaul it's gonna be awesome and it's i mean yeah that's very little to give you guys but we're really really excited about it yeah just know it's it's we've been sad that we've not been doing much and we are very excited about what we're doing and the reason we haven't been able to do much is because we've been working so hard every night when we would normally be recording this podcast that's true like it seems probably to you guys that like we have been you know like less busy because we've been gone for like the summer but really we've been probably more busy than we have been with randomonium stuff oh my goodness for it's it's the busiest we've been in in years and lots of meetings lots of meetings lots of discussions lots of planning Mm -hmm. lots of we even got on a plane lots of travel yeah Yeah. we flew somewhere and we flew back and flew back yeah very quickly Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh very so, quickly. So, so and, yeah. And one of the reasons why we want to dive on and kind of just stir the pot a little bit is mm-hmm. because uh, we actually recorded a podcast um, months back. And and after we recorded it, stuff started happening behind the scenes here. Mm-hmm. And it's been sitting in the can just waiting to be released. True. And um, the last podcast that I think that we published was the uh, the Denver Airport no it was, way. The, it was. and wow. the, the sad thing or the scary thing about that is our audience might have thought that something happened to us because <laughs> <laughs> oh, we talked about out. the Denver airport and so then much. we flew somewhere and we did fly somewhere <laughs> and then things stopped like we just went off <laughs> luckily we didn't we had no uh layover in the Denver airport yeah yeah that's we, true we always fly direct so everybody's okay yep uh in fact it's it's exciting time so we're we're excited to let you guys know a little bit more what that means coming up here in the next hopefully few weeks. Interestingly enough, too, if you've been if you've been following on the YouTube channel at all, and you're not just a just a podcast fan, Joey's been involved again. Mm-hmm. Yes, which has been really exciting. Mm-hmm. Joey's been um, gone for a little while, dealing with some family stuff, as we mentioned a long time ago. And he's been back in the game. He's been back, and he's uh, part of Randomonium 2.0. Gosh, I'm excited, man! Randomonium 2.0. It, it sounds lame. 
but oh, like just that's just a bad name. That's not that's not, not a the good real name. name. That's not what we're calling. That's it. not we're what just, the, it's just random. We just we're close with you podcast fans, so you we guys just, are, we're tight. We just tell you like we haven't worked out all the kinks yet. We just want to let you know it's it's coming. It's gonna be cool. It's not nothing. No, it's it, something. It's something. Mm-hmm. So um. We have a sponsor that, that Dave, yeah. you want to tell us about. So before we get into it, I want to talk about uh, our sponsor that we actually have had before. And this is a real one. I know we make jokes sometimes about sponsors, but I want to really uh, give a special thanks to Nerf uh, for sponsoring this episode. Uh, they've provided uh, me and my family with a bunch of awesome Nerf stuff this year. Uh, we're a part of Nerf Nation, and we're really enjoying the summer uh, with some of the things they sent us. And if you want to see what some of those cool new things that Nerf has come out with that we were really excited to share with our kids, uh, you can go ahead and head over to my Instagram account, at uh, Danny Gula, where I'll have some some stories on there on uh, all about what we're doing. It is, it'll come out at the same time this podcast comes out, so you'll be able to see True all or false, stuff. you have built a large gun rack display for your son in your house uh i four nerf guns i will say false with an asterisk okay i've built two (laughs) okay because i built the first one last year in october when we had this big nerf uh birthday party with him like we had this huge nerf battle i bought like thousands of nerf darts and barriers and all kinds of things we had this huge battle in our backyard uh and for his birthday that year because he got so many nerf guns i made this cool like arsenal wall in his closet which he quickly outgrew especially since nerf was so cool to start sending us stuff uh that now it's turned into there's that wall where they're all hanging on the back and there's also several shelves so so what you're saying is you guys can't get a nerf of all of the nerf stuff (laughs) (laughs) yep there it is yes that is very true nerf also sponsored that pun yes you you basically have like in the matrix when he's like i need guns you have that, but full of Nerf guns? It's just all Nerf, yeah. <laughs> I'll just say some of the things they sent us, not just Nerf blasters that shoot darts. They've got all kinds of cool stuff. And some of it's uh, pretty cool in relation to a really popular game called Fortnite, which my kids were pumped about. So mm-hmm. if you want to see some of that cool Nerf Fortnite stuff. So what is Fortnite? Oh, Jeff. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so special thanks to Nerf for uh, letting my family be a part of Nerf Nation uh, and really enjoying this epic summer. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to some of the rest of the stuff they send us. And I'm looking forward to... Letting this podcast out of the can yes. after three months. Mm. Let's dive into it. Let's rewind it back to the past. That was my mouth. That wasn't a real yes, rewind. Yes, you got it. <laughs> okay, so... Many of our listeners might know that we are fond of the region in which we live, the yes. St. Louis area. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people might not know, however, that though we claim to be from the St. Louis region, we don't live in Missouri. True. No, we live in Illinois. We live in Illinois. And, well, uh, I, I really don't know if people are going to know that you're joking. No, we don't say Illinois. No, nor do we say Missouri. Because <laughs> people who aren't from Illinois, actually, a lot of them say Illinois. Which is really weird. It is weird. At any rate, we're considered essentially a suburb of St. Louis. We're right across the Mississippi River in Illinois. And um, Illinois, known as the land of Lincoln. Lincoln. Right? It's so, on our license plates. It's on our license plates. And there's a tradition um, in the Illinois educational system that... Um, Fourth graders take field trips there. I don't know if they did that at the school that you guys went to, which was the same school I went to. They didn't for me, but for most other schools going way back, fourth grade is like the Springfield field trip where you go to the state's capital and learn all about Abraham Lincoln. We went. I don't know if it was fourth grade, though. Well, I'm going tomorrow because my daughter's in fourth grade. Oh, yeah. I want to be taking a trip up there, and there's some awesome things about Abraham Lincoln, the adventures of Abraham Lincoln that a lot of people don't know about, and I'd like to share those with you today. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, you know, I call him Ham. A lot of people shorten it to Abe. Mm. I, I, sh- I take the other part of the name. I shorten it to Ham. Okay. Hab Colm. <laughs> I hope you're gonna. T- I hope you're gonna talk about his wrestling record. I'm not. I'm talking about something a little bit more interesting than that, and that is the adventures of his corpse. Adventures. Oh yeah. There, yes. there is some interesting stories to that, but it's it's his his wrestling record's interesting. He's in the wrestling hall of fame. Is he? Yeah. He's like almost undefeated. I think he lost once, maybe. Okay, save that for another podcast, but. That sounds interesting. That but sounds anyway, very interesting. Yeah. Adventures of his corpse. Go on, go yeah, on. Okay, so a lot of people don't realize that uh, Abraham Lincoln, when he was assassinated, uh, I think it was April 14th, 1865. It might have been the 15th. I think it was the 14th. Maybe he died on the 15th. At any rate, after Abraham Lincoln passed away mm-hmm. from the wounds that he sustained uh, when he was assassinated. In the head. It, that's right. Um, he went on a 1,600-mile journey, funeral 
tour. Wow. Nobody nobody can see this. I just pantomimed a choo-choo sound. That's right. It was a, it was a train that went through 300 cities. Um, it only made like a dozen stops in some of the yeah. major cities, but it would do the thing where it would slow down and everybody would gather around and all these other things. But he, he would lie in state in multiple cities throughout America over the course of the next three weeks. Whoa. And, Getting um, a little funky. Well, that's the issue is this is back in the 1800s. They didn't have refrigeration or anything like that. That being said... Lincoln, um, after his son died in 1862, was intrigued by this European method of embalming, which was not taking place like it is today. Everybody's mm -hmm. embalmed mm -hmm. when they're yeah. buried. But mm -hmm. back then, it was a new thing. He had a son embalmed, and he wanted to be embalmed as well. Um, so they had used embalming fluids where they you know, drain all of your blood out of an artery, and they embalmed the president so that he could be preserved while he's on this tour through all the cities. Problem is, just a few days into it, he started sinking in a little bit. His eyes were kind of starting to sink in, and he was looking a little gaunt, and it wasn't a pretty sight. That's people, gross. People were the, a little bit concerned. It was open casket? It was open well, yeah, casket. Yeah, I mean, you, I thought it was just like they stopped, and it was like the casket with the American flag no, on top there's, of it. No, there's actually a photograph of Lincoln lying in wait, and in a casket. With the sunken eyes? Well, no. See, what happened was they brought the embalmer with them, okay. and he did some touch-ups along the way, Ugh. meaning they drained him and re-embalmed him a couple more times to preserve him. So you're saying like, they just like took a little like like a bellows from a fireplace and just like pumped up his eyes a little bit like it was <laughs> like little water or air like balloons you know i'm sure that's exactly how it was it was actually a bicycle pump <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um anyway so um they also did what they could to put him on ice because this is an april may time frame and they actually would keep you know people would keep snow and ice whenever it would come down to, to preserve food and stuff like that at least a little bit into the spring so they tried their best to keep him preserved and they did a pretty good job, um, but the whole idea of him being re-embalmed a time or two along the way is going to play into what happens in one of his future adventures. So let's keep going here. So they get him to Springfield, Illinois, which okay. is just an hour and a half north of where we are now. Um, and they put him in the memorial that was built for him um, in this like big white sarcophagus and... Everything should be good. He should rest in peace at this point, right? Mm -hmm, right. This is President Lincoln. Right. Unfortunately, um, about 11 years later, in uh, 1876, some counterfeiters, I don't know why they thought this would be a good idea. They thought that if they could kidnap or take Lincoln's body, they could hold it for ransom and get one of their best counterfeiters out of prison so they could keep making counterfeit money. Because it was a big deal back in the late 1800s, wild, wild west. Like, sure. there was all kinds of shenanigans going on. Right. Um, so the uh, Secret Service, which was established by Grant. Abraham Lincoln. Oh, I thought it was Grant. No, Abraham Lincoln in uh, the 1860s. Oh. Uh, they were actually put in place not necessarily to protect the president, but to control counterfeiting oh i've heard that oh yeah i have heard that yeah so there's a little <clears throat> irony there and the secret service was tipped off they got involved these guys were both from st louis and chicago they put this whole thing together and they didn't realize that the secret service had been tipped off and they're they're waiting for these counterfeiters to come and they let them get as far they let them get into the area where the the sarcophagus is held and they actually start moving the lid off of it before the Secret Service jumps out, gotcha. And then there's this gun battle that ensues. What? And they're exchanging gunfire. And some of the guys get away, some of them don't. But Lincoln was thankfully not stolen, but it was very close. If they hadn't been tipped off, they would have stolen his body. Did Why he, hasn't there been a catch some stray bullets? Uh, I don't know if anybody was shot or not. Okay. Yeah. There needs to be a movie made about this. Well, here's the thing, though. Um, th the... The area where they built the memorial was done a little bit, you know, too quickly. And um, they realized it was also not secure because of the counterfeiters being able to get in and try to kidnap his body. So they decided they were going to do some updates. And while they were updating it, they put Lincoln's body outside under a wood pile. They literally put the casket under a wood pile while they were doing some work on it for what? a few months in the summer. Because they figured no one What's would a, look. Why a wood? Like just to hide it? Just to hide it. Oh, okay. While they're doing updates, so that wasn't like a, like a plan. It wasn't like a like. Oh, uh, we'll just put them aside for like when I'm working in my garage and 
Like, I'll just, like, right now I'm re renovating my garage and I've just got a pile in the back of my sure. yard right now of just, like, things I got to do with later. That, It'd they be did like, that you have your toolbox out there, your socket wrenches and all this other stuff. You don't feel like collecting them all and taking them back in the garage. You just shove them under the wood pile. No one's going to look under the wood pile right. for my socket <laughs> wrenches or for the president's body. <laughs> so, so they had, so... The Lincoln is now spending time under a wood pile. Why not put him in a safe or something? Well, like eventually, this place that was built was so in disrepair that it started like taking on water. So they're like, you know what? This is ridiculous. They took him out from underneath the wood pile. They put him in the Capitol building. He hung out in the basement of the Capitol building, like just locked up in some room for a couple years. The Springfield, Illinois Capitol building? Yes, or the, okay. the state Capitol okay. building. I was thinking you meant D.C. So, so far... Mr. President has traveled through 300 cities, has had to be re-embalmed, has um, been tried to be stolen by counterfeiters, was hidden under a woodpile, was in the basement of the state capitol building. And um, I thought, I thought so, I'd heard somewhere, and maybe I'm thinking of something else, somebody would stolen some body parts off of him or something. No, that none of that. happened? But something interesting, like kind of close to that did happen. Finally, they put him in like a temporary memorial. They knew they were going to build, uh, they were going to renovate it. Um, eventually, they finally did it in 1900, like 1901. It was right at the turn of the century. Um, now, is this the one that's still there now? So the one that they built in at the turn of the century is the one that's there now. Okay, because I've been to that one. But before they decided to put the president's body in what now is the permanent resting place for the president, they decided they were just going to crack that sucker open and take a look at him. <gasps> so they did. So they actually chiseled through the, you know, upper portion of the uh, casket through the lid. And um, there were, there was like 26 people or something. There was a very specific number, like 23 people saw the president. And because he had been embalmed and re-embalmed so many times, they said that he was perfectly preserved. <gasps> that he looked like a statue of himself down to the mole on his face and his beard. Whoa. Um, they said that there was still bruising on the front of his face from the bullet that had gone through the back of his head yeah. and rested behind his cheek. They said the only thing that looked different about the president, which, by the way, they said he smelled horrible. Oh, of course. Um, yeah. Naturally. Yeah. Um, his eyebrows had fallen off. Weird. Okay. And his uh, suit that he was wearing, which happened to be the suit that I think he wore when he gave his second inaugural address, um, was covered in like yellow mildew. But other than that, they said he looked, anybody who had ever seen a picture of the president would know that it was him. And this is how many years after his death? This is in 1901. So this is That's like years after his death. 35 something, 45 years later. So what you're telling me is they mummified the president. The European method of embalming is freaking awesome. It is awesome. It works. <laughs> as long as you do it a few times. They said that his skin was more, of, it was almost like a bronze color because I guess it, he was mummified essentially yeah um and they believe if you would look in his coffin today he would probably still be very well preserved wow now you can't look in his coffin today and here's why because of all of the shenanigans um his son made sure that he was buried 10 feet down with a few feet of concrete poured over the cast wow so there's no way to get down there unless you're chiseling through concrete and all this other stuff. Yeah. So where he's resting now is his final resting place. And he has been there for the, the past the past century. You know at some point they're going to get down there and, and, and take a gander. You think so? Somebody's going to want to know, like, hey, how well did this preserving work? I don't know. I don't know if people do that, though. I don't know if they go back and dig up presidents. Maybe, well, like, in hundreds of years, like we do with mummies, like thousands of years later, so we just find peeking in and looking at well, stuff. Well, there's, like, there's a, there's a few different, like, really famous modern mummies, like, and one of them is that, like, uh, little girl or whatever, I think from Russia or something like that, and nobody knows how she was preserved, mm -hmm. but she still to this day looks like a totally living that. girl. Yeah. Um, I think there was some ice her, involved. In her that dad one. did it, I think. He was, like, broken. Like, his heart was broken that his little girl died. Mm -hmm. And so he, you know, he went through all this process to mummify her. And, and she still, and, she looks like she's and sleeping. It's, yeah, and it looks, it looks so good. And everyone's just like, if we could figure this out, it'd be incredible. But nobody knows, really, what he did. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Man. So, yeah, there you go. Little, little, we thought we knew everything about Abraham Lincoln. Man. I think it just proved that you didn't. I, yep. Yep, I, I learned something new. I, knew, I, I remember hearing some weird stuff about that, like yeah. that people try. I thought I thought it somebody stole like a body part from him or something. No, no, they just took it. They took a look at him, and yeah, that 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 would be a very surreal thing, especially all those years later. You're looking at Abraham Lincoln. Ooh, yeah, Crazy. man, yeah. 
Well, let's switch gears completely and take it up to the present. Okay. Let's go. All right, welcome to the best part of Christmas, present. Mm. Oh, I see what you did there. I was, I was curious where this was going. We all went to the same college. Yes. yes. Uh, about an hour north of here, and we all actually majored in the same thing. Yeah. Now, different times, me and John were there at the same time. Jeff was at a different time. Thanks for pointing that out. I'm older. <laughs> yeah. He's an old man. They're, they're, uh, but basically the same program, digital yep. media, mm-hmm. is what we uh, majored in. Same professors. Our, sa- yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, did a lot of the same classes. That degree is focused on photography and video, graphic design, web design. Kind of gives you like a, a little sampler platter of like all the different kinds of like digital art creation. Um, now, do you guys, how do you guys feel like this is getting kind of, kind of real because I, I, I don't know if any of those professors are listening, but how do you guys feel like that program was? Mm-hmm. How, how do you feel like it prepared you for the real world? Do you feel like you're using your knowledge? Or have used it since then? Um, I feel like I got a very... I, I feel like I got a pretty good uh, like starting point for my life after college. Because, but that was mostly, I feel like, because I took so many extra courses. Because I had the time as a transfer. Like I, mm-hmm. I was able to take a lot of courses in each of one of those individual areas. Uh, there were times I felt like... Uh, I could have learned more. And I don't know if that was my fault or the school's fault. Like, I, I definitely, you know, as, as college, you're a young guy, you don't necessarily always try the hardest. But um, so yeah, maybe definitely, if I tried harder, I would have been better. There was know. a lot of video game playing that we did. Yeah. I mean, that's just college. Yeah, a college. lot of it. Do you guys walk away with debt? Did you guys have student loan debt? Uh, I you did, did but did. I was... I'm doing lo- the slow nod. Mm. I, yes. I did, but I was, uh, I was lucky enough to have my parents pay for it. Yeah. See, not not so much. I mean, I I did as well. I didn't have a ton of debt, but my wife did. We went to the same school. Lots of debt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I took the loans out, but my parents, when they were done, they were like, "These are horrible loans. I'm paying these off now." That's that nice of them. That was yeah. My my parents helped a lot too. Thankfully, that's like, unfortunately, that's the minority. Um, you know, like we're in the minority. Most people yeah come out of college like at least undergrad with tons of debt. Um, they said if I graduated with honors, they'd pay for them, and I said deal. Yeah. Honors it is. Yeah, I'll get the good grades. How do you feel like the um, interest level was from your other classmates? Like as far as like how bought in were you and your other classmates in your program? Like you get an assignment from a professor. Do you feel like most people in your class were like, sweet, like we're in college. This is our time. Let's like make the most of this. Let's really learn everything we have. Let's put everything we have into this. Or do you think most people were like, um, whatever, man. Like, I'm just gonna go, you know, back to my dorm and play Halo. Or do you think there's somewhere in between? Well, or- for for my audio engineering classes, like the recording studio portion of stuff, absolutely, all of my um, classmates were they were in it and mm. they were wanting to learn. But for um, video, absolutely mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. There was like two of us that were really interested, and the rest of them were just trying to in photography as well. Not really. There were half the class didn't really care about learning how to use a camera. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought that was the case with you guys too, because I that was my experience for sure. When I look back, I'm like, man, I thought I was pretty well like invested. Um, and I'm definitely, I'm sure I wasn't like completely, but like I feel like a lot of my classmates were just like, yeah. whatever. My parents are kind of paying for college. This is like an extension of high school. I had to declare a major. Yeah, I got to pick something. I'm gonna, I don't know, I kind of like computers, so I guess I'll do you know whatever this is. Now, compare that, which you guys can't really compare, but compare it to my experience of um, grad school. It was a completely different experience. When I was in the classroom with other grad students, it was a completely different experience than undergrad. And it was awesome. Mm. So it was way smaller because, I mean, it's it's grad school. Mm-hmm. There's not as many people that are even interested in that, um, let alone can afford it. You know, just more, mm-hmm. more school. Um, but it was super cool because I feel like everyone that was in the classes... They had experience, had real world, real, real world experience, like I did, um, and they were choosing, like as as adults, more they like wanted to be. They there. wanted to be yeah. there. They weren't they just there because more. their parents were like, "You got to go to college." Right. They were like, "I want to go further. I want to get a master's degree." Um, so everyone was like really interested in what all the other students were learning and like trying to learn from each other and collaborate, uh, work on projects together, and like really put their best foot forward. And um, it was just, I don't know, it was very different. Yeah, very awesome. So. Um, I've been teaching at actually at Greenville for the last off and on for the last four or five years, teaching photography and video. Um, and it, in the semesters where I haven't been teaching, it has gotten me thinking like, I really 
could be, this is 2019. Um, we could be learning in a different way. We don't have to be in a classroom anymore. We can be online, um, kind of like I did with my, my grad school. And we can, there's going to be a lot more people in one classroom. We can all be learning from each other um, in a much broader, more like asynchronous way. We don't all have to be in the same room together at the same yeah. time. Mm -hmm. But taking the experience that I had in grad school, which was uh, more of a focused one-on-one, -on -one, not one-on-one, -on -one, but as, as close to that as possible, small group. Um, so what I've decided to do is start basically start teaching online um, through Patreon. Mm -hmm. So I launched a what I'm calling a creative community. Um, and I'm, uh, so it costs a little bit of money, but basically what you get as actually, I think the, the cost is actually kind of, um, it's a definitely a barrier to entry for some people, but in my mind, it's kind of like my grad school experience, which is like, it costs a little bit of money. It's a little bit more of an investment, um, time wise and commitment wise, sure. but as a result, you're going to get people in it that are like really wanting to be there. Yeah. Well, sure. and that's, that's so huge too, because thinking back to college, like I, I had a huge frustration while I was there with like when I'm in photography or graphic design or even a video, like just the other students, not, not really caring. Like that mm -hmm. was a big deal for me. And that actually caused me to not work as hard as I could have, because I was already working so much harder than all these people were. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I'm already like do, doing pretty well. So what, you know, what else am I going to do? Mm -hmm. um, it was a, it was a deterrent for me to continue to succeed even more than I probably could have. Yeah. So my hope is that, um, I will, I, we just, I just started this yesterday. So I've literally have like five people that are, um, in so far, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really small, but I thought it was six. I saw, I checked it today. Well, your six. wife is six, I think, but, but you don't count her. Well, she's in the lower tier where okay. she's not actually in like the community community. She's, she's just, just like, she's just there for moral support. Moral support. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. There, there, there's different, you know, you can I check it out what, on Patreon. What bank account she used. <laughs> yeah. is, it hers, go or is it hers or the joint one? <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you that, but, um, yeah, so I'm hoping that it will grow, you know, a little bit more, um, in order to get more voices into the, the community. But, you know, I, ho I actually don't hope that it gets huge because I want it to be small in order for all of us to really learn from each other. So I'm hoping that this community is less like a classroom where I just like teach everybody and it's sort of one way information, but more like um, everyone there wants to be there and is making things and then giving each other feedback on what they're making. And then I'm just sort of guiding things along with my experience teaching. I can say, hey, try this. Uh, here's a challenge for the month. Go work on this, you know, things like that. So, yeah. so tell me why someone would want to take this class. Like, what for for what purpose? They're saying I want to do X, Y, and Z, so this class is going to benefit me. Yeah, well, so I'm thinking like it'd be perfect for um, anyone that hasn't ever really taken a photo class or a video class. I mean, it's a pretty big. It's actually a pretty big thing to even do that because you have to be either at. I mean, sometimes high schools have decent photography or video classes, but most high schools don't. Mine didn't. Um, so maybe you did in high school, um, or maybe you're in a college or maybe you're out of college and like, you're just like, how do I even take a photo class or a video class? How do I know if I want to try this? Um, so if you want to do that, it's expensive. So yeah. you either have to be in a full on undergrad program or something, which is like, like we talked about earlier, like that's just student loan debt and all that. Um, or, you know, you gotta go to your community college and who knows how that education is going to be. So my thought is like, this will be, it's $9 a month for this creative community, which is okay. That's the price of like your Spotify or whatever. So that's, you know, that's, um, it's not nothing. It's definitely something, but significantly cheaper than even like music lessons oh or goodness. anything like that. I give music lessons and, um, it's $20 per half hour. Yeah. So you're going to spend 80 bucks a month, right, yep. you know, on average. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a little different, like not totally apples to apples to anything like a classroom or music lessons or anything, sure. but it's kind of a mix of all that. And so I, I kind of landed on this $9 a month and maybe by the time you're listening to this, the prices have changed, but hopefully not. Um, I just feel like that might, you know, get people in that want to be there and it won't be crazy expensive where if you want to try video and photo for a few months and see if you like it, like try it out, see if you can learn some things from the other people in the community and learn from my experience. Um, I think it would be pretty cool. Like, I'm just trying to be objective about it, too, when I think about if I was not in this field and I was, like, you know, an accountant or something like that, or even in high school, and not, 
I didn't know if I wanted to do photo or video as a career. And there was a professional um, YouTuber in this case, or just photo teacher, any any kind of way you want to like uh, slice up the things that I do. Um, if there was someone like me that was teaching like this, in this way, that was kind of low commitment, pretty low price, I would be like, yeah, let me just try this for a few months and see if, see if I can make something of it, see well, if it sounds fun. One of the reasons why I think this is an awesome opportunity for anybody that gets involved is because there's so many ways you can put it to use. Mm-hmm. Whenever I was majoring in the major that we're all talking about, uh, I mean, I'm a dinosaur. I'm pretty old because this is before social media. It really was before yeah, social media. Yeah, that's true. It was before YouTube. Yeah, that's crazy. And I mean, the you got into this to like maybe make films or tv shows or tv shows or work at a tv station mm-hmm. or radio station yeah or um maybe do some web design or something like that yeah anymore <laughs> like somebody could do this and like w- when i got married around the time that i graduated college mm-hmm. um you would get a wedding photographer that was shooting on film yeah you had to like pay for development and all this other stuff but now my wife she she does photography mm-hmm um, as a hobby and makes really decent money just on a digital SLR yeah. camera. Um, and I mean, there's obviously certain techniques that you need to, um, it's not like anybody can do it, right? but with the proper coaching, like mm-hmm. what you would be able to offer, um, you kind of, anybody can do it. Yeah. Anybody can at least give it a good shot. And there's so many ways you can, you can, if you're really interested in it, there's so many ways that you can use it, whether you want to start a YouTube channel whether you want to like try like you're an aspiring influencer for mm-hmm. Instagram or your Twitter account or whatever it might be there's so many different ways that you can use this digital media yep. that could really not only be a fun hobby but could go somewhere if you work for a business like let's say you work for your family business and you're in like HVAC I don't know anything like everybody needs social media presence mm-hmm. these days yes they do everybody's got an Instagram account or a Twitter Facebook um, they're interacting with customers in some way so like you said, knowing about how to take good photos, how to take good video, um, it's totally, it's just, it. it's not going anywhere. It's not decreasing in its uh, relevancy. It's no. definitely increasing. So everyone should, you know, not everyone should learn about this, but if you're at all like looking over the fence at it, I, it this is just, this is an easy way to, to get in and, um, you know, try it out. And then, yeah, I mean, so the other thing that kind of like, as I was thinking about all this and how I could maybe make this work or if it made sense, I was like, well, the big thing that kept popping into my head was a lot of people do this and give free information on YouTube. And there's, there's tons yeah. of free information, articles, um, YouTube videos, videos yeah. classes and everything. Like you can get like a free trial of Skillshare and learn a ton of this stuff. Um, the one thing I will say about all that is that you've got to be really motivated because anything that's like free, I know for me, if it's like if I'm not paying for something, I might do like one. I might watch a video and then I'm like, eh, I'm kind of yeah. bored of this. But if I'm like paying for something, it's like I was saying for grad school. If I'm paying for something personally, then I'm gonna be like invested in it. Right. right. Um, worth, yeah. Yeah. And then plus, like it's gonna be a smaller group that's actually giving you feedback on your work. Like so, if I watch a YouTube video on how to take better photos, like I might be able to learn something from that. But when I take those photos, who's gonna give me any feedback on that? Yeah. Like that. YouTuber is not going to watch my exactly. stuff. Well, yeah, but, and to go full circle too, that's that's what made me enjoy college so much more. Is like you, me, Joey, yeah. and, and Gus, who we talked about. We all lived together, mm-hmm. so and we were all in the same program. So it was a lot easier to be creative and to learn when you're constantly bouncing things off of other people. Yeah, it's necessary. And for getting any, immediate feedback. Yeah. Any creative craft. I mean, I've, I have to imagine at Valentine. I mean, you guys are constantly yep. like that's. 90% of your job is bouncing stuff off each other. We actually, yeah, just th- something I thought of. We, ne- we didn't even plan on this, but at VAT19, we we started, we all kind of started in separate offices. Like mm-hmm. when we all got hired, Jamie gave us a, a separate office, like basically. And we eventually all got together. We just moved our offices. We're like, we don't care about having a, our own space. We need to be together because it makes yeah. more sense to be collaborative and always talking about ideas and refining things and checking things. And so... Yeah, the idea of community for any kind of art is huge. Um, I fully believe in it. Um, you know, small is good because then you get a lot of feedback and there's a lot of FaceTime. Um, so anyway. So how, I, how does one find your creative community? You can find it uh, by going to Patreon and searching for my name. Uh, that's John Stom, John with no H and S-T-A-M-M. We, we could put a link in the show notes. Can we do that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. sweet. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And then... Can't you go to johnstom.com? Right now you can. I might change that eventually to be like something else, but right now, johnstom.com... That totally, totally rolls off the tongue. Love it? I know, I love it. Have you ever considered getting like a custom, like, uh, what do they call that, like top-level domain where like com was spelled (laughs) C-A-M-M? johnstom.com is all like... No one would ever find your website. That would be so confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so basically this whole segment was a big promo for my my new thing. But I'm excited about it because uh, the people that have joined already are, are people that seem like you know, interested in photo, like, just like I wanted, like people that are like, yeah, let's try this. I want to see what I can do with this. So yeah. And, and I was excited to have you talk about it too. I mean, you've been bouncing this idea off of me for, yeah, for a while. Few months, yeah. We've been bouncing ideas in our carpool community. That's true. Yep. Well, Hey, you know what? This endeavor that you are presently endeavoring, mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. I think is going to lead to some cool things in the future. Oh, I think yeah, it will. I think some people that I'm going to talk about in the future segment will take advantage of your services <laughs> into the future. <laughs> Okay, so into the future, uh, I wanted to talk about a group of people that is going to be very important to us in the future. Hmm. Um, Let me try to guess. A group of people? A group of people. The Chinese. I don't know how important they'll be. International trade? You kidding me? We might be just cutting ties all together about now. I don't yeah, know. and then they'll take over the world. Maybe. No, uh, not the Chinese. The Amish. Uh, the Amish, uh, while genetically interesting and an interesting study. Gen- genetically, genetically interesting? Genetically they are oh, because they're very interesting. Are they they're very, very inbred. They're very inbred? Yeah. Oh, I guess that they're makes a very sense. small genetic pool. Uh, they actually have programs to like... I don't know, there's something going on, but people study them because of it. Like, it's interesting. They have a lot of genetic problems, like health problems. That sounds important. We need to learn from that. But not the Amish, because we're talking about the future. Martians? Uh, Are they people? I don't know how many people are there. Am I getting warmer? I mean, some of these people might be Martians one day. People that live in urban areas. Some of these do. So you're not wrong there. I'm going to let you go. Okay, so Jeff, when were you born? 1980. 1980. John? 1985. I was 1986. That puts us all roughly in the millennials. Jeff, you're kind of like a... I'm on the edge. You're like a Gen X millennial. There's a term for that. I forgot what they call it. Uh, I'm not Gen X, and I'm barely millennial. It's like Xennial. I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's... John and I are considered elder millennials. Um, We're we're some of the oldest up there. It's, um, you know, you get to the mid-80s. I want to talk about Generation Z. Oh. Um, And, you know, what... What is like wh- how they're different than the millennials that like we're kind of a part of? Okay, if, you're so if you're listening to this in Canada, that's Generation Z, mm, Generation yes. Z, or, or the UK, or Australia, or South Africa. So here's a question for you: uh, what what time frame is a Generation Z born? So generations are kind of a tricky thing to define because uh, it 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 changes. Like I remember we were called Generation Y for a long time just because they didn't have a term for us, a fancy catchphrase, um, and they usually lump the generations into whatever their defining moment was. For us, it was coming to age around the turn of the millennium. Um, so of the new millennium, 2000. So that was kind of how they determined that. Uh, there's a, and there's a bunch of things about us that uh, are unique. There's some things that people complain about us, uh, which are just young people in general. You can read articles about Gen Xers and hippies and everything. They, people complain about the same thing about young people forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's no different. But there are some very unique things about uh, Generation Zers. Uh, one thing that you and I just talked about is like a lot of them haven't ever known a world before 9-11. Oh, yeah. I've been talking about this with people because uh, like high school graduates this year are generally kids that were born in 2001 yeah. or 2002. So it boggles my mind that there are people that are entering into college and the workforce that have no concept of a world before 2011 and, and or like 2001. You, you and I were saying when we were discussing that uh, earlier, it was, it's, it was like a light switch. It changed. It, yeah, there's a noticeable difference of the way the world worked before 2001. Yeah. So they, they split it up right now. It's, some people say it's as early as born in 1993. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, those are still kind of millennials too. Uh, some people say it goes as late as the year 2000. But it's, it's, you know, it's, we can say it's a lot of the people that are kind of coming of age into adulthood now. Uh, I, I thought about this today because I was reading an article about, uh, uh, about Billie Eilish, uh, who is like mm. the new hotness singer. William Eyelash. William Eyelash. 
she's 17. She is a, a Generation Z, and, she's, and she reacts and, and acts just like one. So I wanted to share with some traits of it to what makes them different, uh, and then kind of get your thoughts on before how that you, compares before to Before you go on, can I get some clarification here? Yeah. So you're saying that you're considered an elder millennial, being that you guys are born in 1985 and 1986, and that Generation Zers could be born... Um, in 1993 that means millennials are only like a range of seven or eight years some a little bit yeah but that's what not a lot of people say that early with the generation z the 93 that's usually considered millennial yeah i would i thought that millennials were born all the way into like late 90s yeah because it's it's just that it's that your formative years were during the turn of this new century is kind of what it was and, and also three you were you know you were and also that you don't then. totally have a huge concept of the world before the internet yeah mm -hmm. you you came of age you always knew technology so right. like i always use the analogy to teach people about what makes us unique as millennials is uh i always knew how to hook up the vcr nintendo tv the whole thing i remember when i was in preschool and my mom had just uh shampooed the carpets and where the, where the nintendo was and i had wanted to play nintendo and she's like i can't i'm doing this and i just went in there rolled it all up and hooked all it up back up and just was playing video games and my mom's like how did you do this mm -hmm. you're like because like, i'm a like, millennial I mom like, i don't know i've never known a world without this stuff it just works um but anyways these are some of the things that make us millennials a little bit different than generation z because it's a completely different world so okay. um they are more pragmatic so to think about that is uh, defining trait of millennials is we were we were all raised with the idea of like hey do whatever you want like follow your dreams go to college you're gonna get a job because college you know will pay you'll pay get paid more that's gonna be great take out the student loans because you're gonna make more money it follow your dreams uh, and we have all realized due to the mountains of student debt that we don't have pay jobs that are you know paying well enough to pay for that student right. debt uh, that that's not true so uh, Generation Zers uh, haven't really known a world uh that goes before like the great recession really like that by the time they were old enough to kind of understand what's going on like they they witnessed like oh none of this is really working out so i need to kind of uh master skills if i want to be relevant i can't just be like i'm going to get college and be okay hmm. it's like no you've got to you need to figure stuff out it's interesting that you're saying that because i had a conversation with a guy today who is a baby boomer so he's an older guy he's mm -hmm. approaching retirement and he said they're struggling at this major, this is a huge corporation in America, huge sure. corporation. They're struggling because millennials that are now making up a large part of the workforce um, don't really have a career path. They don't really care about having a career path. They just want to do something that they like to do. And they don't really care if it leads to them becoming like the CEO or anything like that. Whereas mm -hmm. baby boomers is like, you work your way up the ladder. The corporate yeah. ladder is what you climb. Millennials are kind of like, when I leave work, I don't care about work. Mm -hmm. I'm just like maybe making some money. I want to do what I want to do. So if this is true about Generation Zers, that's kind of a, an important and a good thing because it's a struggle right now in corporate America because they can't get the millennials to aspire to be anything more than mm -hmm. clock punchers. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's it's due to kind of like the way we were raised. We were, And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. We were raised um, by boomers versus millennials or Generation Z uh, was raised by Gen Xers. Mm -hmm. So a very different parenting lifestyle. Gen Xers were very aware of the like, oh, everybody gets a trophy thing. It's probably not a great idea. We need to teach our kids how to lose. Mm. Um, so it's a little bit different in how we were, we were all raised. Uh, that makes them a bit more cautious. They also had Nirvana and like Pearl Jam. They were just like very just dark about the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> so like we said earlier, they've never known a world without... Uh, Nirvana. W without Nirvana as well. Sure. But they've never known a world pre-9-11, really. Right. Uh, they're very cautious. So they've never known a world like they... they came around during the Great Recession. Uh, they've come around post 9-11 where we're concerned about terrorism. Uh, there's We've been in a war as long as they've been alive. Mm -hmm. Like, we've been in Afghanistan mm -hmm. longer than they've been alive. I have memories of a kid being like, I wonder when America's going to fight another war. Because I grew up in the 80s. And we had been out of Vietnam for, yeah. you know, five to eight years by the time I was born. And um, when Persian Gulf happened, it rocked our world. And they had like counselors in schools because everybody's freaking out because there's an actual war taking place i remember a time when america was not at war yeah and i remember a time when my only concept of terrorism was the guys in the vw van at the beginning of back to the future that yeah. shoot doc brown yeah. yeah those were terrorists to me other yeah. than that 
terrorists were like they're just like movie characters yep my concept of terrorist was die hard mm -hmm. mm. yeah like that was what i thought about terrorists i was like okay but so like worldwide international terrorist organizations that are you know wreaking havoc on the world that was not the world before 9-11 nope yeah uh so until let me not not necessarily brighter but you know we'll get it less less killing uh they're a lot more money cautious because there's you know the concern about social security being gone uh student debt that's just you know ruined millennials they're all a lot more cautious as what they're doing with their money uh because they don't know what it's going to be like for them when they're older that's good because good we all just assumed we were going to have it. Yeah. Right. yeah. We're like, hey, we'll get it. We got, we got these degrees. Everything mm -hmm. will be fine. They're worth a lot of money, right? 9-11 happens and the recession happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And uh, John and Mai's graduating class actually has uh, had the worst graduating class like uh, possibilities out of anyone since, I think, the Depression. Like job, job prospects? Yeah, about? job prospects, wow. uh, wages, everything. Like, mm -hmm. was just Because the recession kind of hit the hardest right then around 2008. Yeah. Like it was 2008, 2007, 2008 was like it. And then mm -hmm. like, so the graduating class of 2008 was just like, hey, good luck, guys. I right. uh, hope those. Basically what you're up. saying is I needed some Gen Zers in my creative community. You do need <laughs> some Gen Zers in your creative community. I would be willing to bet you get some Gen Zers in your creative community. Mm -hmm. um, they are, though, I will say this, this next point is they uh, are more face to face. Mm. So 53% of Generation Z prefers in-person communication over instant messaging or email. That is such a refreshing thing right there. That's, that's I think, really important because if there's anything that me, as I've already talked about, I'm old, that is just wearing on me. It's virtual everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like it's so important that we have face-to-face -face interaction. So the fact that they're picking up on that, there's like an instinct there that we need to get away from everything being texting you know yeah. facebook twitter all mm -hmm. that other stuff instagram yeah so they're going to be a bit more skilled at face-to-face -face interactions than a lot of millennials are good so think about it for us like we grew up aol was the, like a huge thing so oh, yeah. instant messaging text messaging became a thing when we were young i remember looking at i remember hating text messaging me too mm -hmm. and being like this is horrible and until i got a qwerty keyboard i was like okay i can get into text messaging now mm -hmm. yep. like this will work but when it was just like T, what'd they call it? T9? T9. Mm -hmm. yeah. oh, I couldn't stand that. That was horrible. <laughs> it was lame. Um, they are a bit less noticed. They get overshadowed a lot by uh, Gen X and baby boomers. Uh, but they are, um, th there's concern that they'll be overshadowed by the millennials because, like, now, like, we've, we're, we're being so loud because uh, it's kind of our it's our turn to take over so like a lot of us are having kids and um, moving into politics and you're we're getting a lot louder of a voice and there are so many of us um, and then the gen xers and the millennials though are having less and less kids uh, so there's a concern that they're going to actually be a little bit overshadowed uh, and less noticed by some of these older generations that you know have there's a ton of us there's a ton of boomers there was a ton of gen xers and there's a ton of ton of millennials mm -hmm. um, they are a lot more global uh, so they've never known a world that's not online. Like when we say like we've never known a world without technology, they've never known a world not online. Right. So my concept of world interaction whenever I was a kid, because I have very clear memories of the world before the internet. I remember when the internet came out, me telling my dad about it because I was in, I think, high school, junior high or high school at the time. And it was boggling my mind. But like worldwide interaction was like pen pals. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Like, you, you, there was like usually a thing in school where they'd partner you up with somebody. That's right. Or like long distance phone calls uh -huh. that like cost a ton of money. Yeah. You couldn't interact with people by calling cards, mm -hmm. stuff like that. We which a calling card is basically a prepaid, you know, situation where you use this thing to make long distance phone calls that like give you a time limit. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. but now the fact that, I mean, you could like... FaceTime somebody in South Africa and it costs nothing. Mm -hmm. it's Think about this. People keep their, um, they keep their area codes when they move on their phone. Sure. They just don't want to change their phone number. It's mm -hmm. so like that's just become a thing now. We're all used to just saying our area code for our phone number. Especially when I lived in Chicago, a huge transplant city, everybody has a different area code. <clears throat> yeah, the world you don't worry, you don't worry about the long distance thing. The world's gotten smaller. You can not only interact with people from all over the world. You can see almost anything you want on a screen all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, you kind of get a feel for what different cultures are experiencing and what they're going through not just through the news but like through social media chatter and what's trending in certain areas of the world so yeah the world is definitely smaller uh for the gen zers than it was for previous generations yeah mm -hmm. so to think about that like 58 percent of adults worldwide like so ages 35 plus so older adults um sorry jeff <laughs> 
Uh, we're right there. We're right. We're, we're getting. We're, we're 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 getting close. Fifty-eight yeah. percent of adults over the age of thirty-five would uh, agree that kids today have more in common with their global peers than uh, they do with adults in their own country. Like that. There's just kind of this hmm. globalization of their culture, of it's their young culture. It's just like, generation. Yeah, that makes sense. That's crazy. I never really thought about that. Like. Yeah, the difference between a Gen Z American and a baby boomer American is bigger than a Gen Z American and a Gen Z German. Right, because it's just a smaller world now. And they all share the same culture. Like stars, uh, artists and stars are all super global, super fast now. So Mm -hmm. they are less educated or they will be less educated. So 64% of Gen Z uh, is considering an advanced degree versus the 71% millennials. And I always say this, like college was beat into our heads oh yeah as kids it's like i was just saying earlier before i knew you were going to talk about this it was like undergrad was just an extension of high school it's like what you did after high school was like you just did more school it's like everyone did it everyone in my high school was like where are you going to college i mean granted it was sort of a prep school but like i mean i feel like that was a very normal thing to just go to college oh my gosh yeah you're you couldn't have a future if you didn't go to college and in fact i remember when millennials started this thing about 10 years ago called the gap year mm-hmm. and yeah. i remember everybody who was older than being like that is the most irresponsible thing i've ever had, a gap year what now that fizzled out not too many people do gap years mm-hmm. anymore although most like ceos of really high performing companies say that is the most important thing you could do in your young adult life is take a gap year interesting uh, because every single person that they interview for important positions they learn more about that person and that person learned more about life in that gap year than they ever learned just going to school. Because those people, like, it's not specifically if you take that gap year to do something versus if you just loafed at your mom's sure. house, no big deal. But, like, usually they're, what they're saying is, like, it's the people who went out and they're like, I went to Taiwan. Right. And I got a job and I, and I studied with someone there and I learned about a different culture or whatever that is. Those, those experiences are more formative to your professional career than your first year at, at college. Sure. And there, and this this article's point too that helps you out, John. Here is uh, their thoughts are why make the major investment in a college degree when there's more and more online alternatives available. Yep, um, they are more disruptive. Uh, so like their whole goal is to like get in and like you think about like activists and YouTubers like that all like everybody has a voice now. So like they have a desire to go in and actually like shake things up. So they're not afraid to speak up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're incredibly less focused. So, and this is a big concern of mine, is that we are notorious for having a very short attention span. Mm-hmm. Uh, theirs is considered even shorter. And you think about the types of media, social media, they like Vine. Uh, now it's TikTok, all these really short six, seven second videos that they love that you know get their attention. And people are like, oh, remember this one Vine or whatever. Um, that's, that's making their attention spans even significantly smaller. But they uh, they are more entrepreneurial, which is a hard word to say. <laughs> but um, that comes from a lot of the uh, ideas of uh, think about your your Instagram world. Like, what do you see on there all the time? It's like these people who are like uh, hashtag sponsored. Yeah, hashtag sponsored, making themselves to John's or to your point actually, Jeff. Earlier that you're like you were doing digital media before there was social media. Mm-hmm. Now you have a direct to consumer world. Right, right. So now everybody sees the potential in being able to just work for themselves. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to know how much, and I hope this isn't like a, too much of a rabbit trail, but the role that violence continues to play more and more in the culture that was that didn't exist until, you know, when I was a senior in high school, that's when Columbine happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that like rocked our world. That was my senior year and we could not believe it just was yeah. beyond us that something like that could happen. And yeah. now And I remember a, them like giving us the day at school just to process that. Yeah. And it was a huge deal. And and um since then there have just been hundreds of those types of situations. Some of them have been pretty horrible and they're saying that now um, they're wondering if the tide is finally changing because it's become so normal, so expected that kids are like growing up doing lockdown, like invader mm-hmm. uh, drills and all these other things that like they're just going to fight back. And the last three or four school shootings that have happened have been thwarted by students who are taking these people out. Yeah. Mm. And there's that's got to play into um, even... You know, I'm thinking about Gen Z. You said they're more individualistic. They're more willing to be disruptive, to speak up, Mm -hmm. 
to, to take a stand on things. Um, if that's almost like a survival instinct that's had had to develop, being that we're in a more volatile mm-hmm. world, yeah. where not just with terrorism, school shootings, but even like social outrage on social issues, they're learning that you know this is a tumultuous world. I didn't grow up in a world like that. I yeah. grew up in a very insulated world where mm-hmm. I heard rumors of this thing called the Cold War that ended when the Berlin Wall came down, which I had no idea what the wall in Germany had to do with the Cold War. And other than that, we didn't have war. Yeah, the economy was always good. There was no terrorism, domestic or international. But these kids are growing up in a pretty volatile world, so it kind of makes sense that they're having to learn how to like take a stand. And That's say, a good no. point. That's well, good and point. I think it, it makes a difference too in, in how the, how much older they're getting too. So now we have Gen Zers that are becoming of age of, of they're getting close to adulthood. They're young adults, teenagers. Um, so they're starting to get in there. So if you look at it, it says 84% of millennials say making a difference in the world is more important than professional recognition. And 60% of Generation Z says that. Now, Generation Z is still young. I would be willing to argue that that number is going to grow as they get older. Sure. Because they're just seeing it going on. Now, I'm surprised it's it's that big in Gen Z. Because when I was a kid, like, did you care? When you were in high school or when you were 18, did you care about making a difference in the world? No, no, I didn't. No, no not I, at all. I've worried about following my dreams. Mm-hmm. So that's huge. Um, but and I and I think that's great. I think that's going to be a, a big thing because like we're not the United, especially as far as the United States go, we're not the global powerhouse we were that our parents at least were trying to constantly recreate. Like they grew up in a very unique time period in America, um, 50s, 60s. Man, that was like unprecedented success for the United States. The only other global powerhouse you really had competing on a world thing was the USSR and it wasn't even economically competing with Mm -hmm. us because it was they were struggling Mm -hmm. so it was really just like unprecedented success for the United States that's why they wanted that's why they pushed college so much because they got to see all the benefits of this now we live in a completely different world so that kind of messed us up a bit pursuing the constantly pursuing the world of their parents right um but because it is this global economy and we're kind of like in the middle of it now we're not we're not the best we're not the number one country anymore we're 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 just in there with all the other ones we're number one in some things we're number 32 in others and you know everybody's constantly needs to work together i think having these kids these young people as being feeling that they need to make a difference in the world that's that's going to help in the long run with Mm. everything overall pretty positive i mean most of our kids are gen z i would say i mean i I mean mine are probably a little i guess maybe probably going to be in a new there might be a new generation kind of like yeah if they're shorter now i mean maybe something's going to change like we don't know because yeah like i said generations are defined by whatever wasn't like baby boomers it was it was just people who grew up post that world war ii boom Mm -hmm. so like that's why it stretched on for so long because those people just kept having kids right they had tons of them um I don't know what they're going to call them after Gen Z. What do they What do they go to? Start now? back over at A. Yeah, they're they're odd generation. Why mm. was Gen X called Gen X? Does anybody know that? Because uh, that's what started Gen Y and Gen Z until they started calling us millennials. Yeah, I I actually thought it's because it was like a generic name because they couldn't figure out like what they were like or maybe was, yeah it was just kind of you know person X you know mm-hmm. planet X generation X right like nameless right. Uh, yet to be named. Right. To me, the interesting question is not what are you going to call the next generation, but what is going to be the defining factor? Is it going to be some worldwide event? Is it going to be some innovation in technology? Is it is it going to be computers taking over the world? <laughs> like, really, what is it? What is it that's going to say, well, when this generation was experiencing life, it was unique from all other generations because of boom. Right. To me, that's, that's going to be the interesting question to see how it's going to pan out probably going to be the post-apocalyptic generation so like yeah. the ones that survived zombie apocalypse or no that's not real don't get crazy it's oh. robot uprising you know <laughs> it right. yeah. gen z is going to be the ones that finally realize we're all in the matrix and they figure out how to how to get break out. free yeah, yeah yeah so neo's generation yeah, yeah. generation yeah. neo yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that makes yep. sense because you have to start a new one after z that's so. true <laughs> So there we go. We did it. We just did but it, guys. I, we did it. I, I'm it very encouraged by Gen Z. In, in, like, generally. Like, I think... That's so millennial of you to say. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It probably is, actually. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm um, not going to be like all the other generations that talk bad about the, the, the younger generation. I'm going to say... You guys go and get him. I'm looking forward to you. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, millennial. Now, there is going to be one downer. Is I think... 
I think they're going to outperform us. And I think that's going to like... Why is that a downer? Shouldn't well, that be a positive well, thing? No, I think that's going to be good. But for a lot of people in my generation that are already struggling and to, to make ends meet, yeah, that's your parents' fault. Uh, that is our parents' fault. And then it's going to be our kids' fault that we still can't make ends meet because they're going to take all of our jobs. <laughs> Daddy, what's a 401k? I don't know. Ask your grandpa. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm still working. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, maybe I'll retire one day. We'll see. Hmm. I don't plan on it. We, my wife and I have been considering changing ours because we've been talking about retirement for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You guys are well, kids are, we had kids early, like, so we were able early thirties. You're like you got you got you're halfway there. Yeah. You realize that, right? He's like, a millennial following his dreams. <laughs> always dreaming. Well, we yeah we have um, well we 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 we're baby stepping into it. So like right now we're already thinking about like because we only have two kids. We're like it's not that far till they're in college. What do we do when our kids are out of the house? Man, you guys are really thinking ahead. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe that's the difference between four kids and two. Because with four kids, it's like, how do we survive today? Yeah, right. I want to plan for it. I just want to be able to, like, when my kids leave, it's like, you go, we sent the last one off to college. Just, let's go do what we've been talking about doing. And, like, we've got some plan and, like, we're able to do it. I want you to be, are a planner. I want to be able to do it, yeah. You've got your get gone, grab it bag. In case it's an apocalypse, apocalyptic <laughs> uprising of... It's just an, an emergency. We're going to rename my go bag. Go bag. Um, that's what it is. It's it, uh, We're going to rename my go bag to an emergency disaster kit. That's really lame. <laughs> I, I was going to say, like, let's Do you get like out of go here bag? bag. Huh? Do you like go bag? Well, no, go bag's like two. It's got to be like, let's get, out let's, out let's get gone bag. Well, I think the other one I've the called peace it out is a bug out bag. The peace out bag. That's <laughs> it. I like it. Bag. Peace out. Peace should, out. Should we uh, peace out of this podcast? I think we we should. should peace out of this podcast. Yeah. I think. I think we're I think we're there. Well, this has been the Randomonium Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm John Stom. I'm Danny Gula. I'm Jeff McCullough. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>